are listening to Boku no Stop, an anime podcast that lost its last job when everyone, including Matt Marcus, died inexplicably. I'm your host, Sybil Arnett, and with me, obviously, is... Chris Taylor, and that's it. <laughs> and today we will be talking about Monster, episodes 21 through 24. Matt has decided to jettison himself from this show because we just keep talking about Germans. So, with episode 21, we'll go to Happy Holidays. We have a cold open. It is a rich family at a nice little manor. The mother has remarried. The son, Fritz, is no fan of the stepdad, who is Mueller, the corrupt detective slash trigger man in the Fortner family killings. Mueller. I'm sorry. That was actually pretty good. Carry on. The wife mentions the house next door was the site of murders some 20 years ago, and it's haunted. Tenants never stay long. They might have seen someone inside. The trio leave for a walk, and Mueller tells their bodyguard, Roberto, to stay behind, hoping to win the kids some over. Is he really a bodyguard? He seems like a detective type guy. That is his job for Mueller, is he is a security guy. And then we later find out, oh, oh, but... Security guy makes more sense, because that would be like intel related a bodyguard when you say bodyguard i think of like the guy standing at the qfc that's all they call him until the last part of the episode with my security team but yeah roberto and Mueller discuss uh the events of the series he recaps a lot of the arc with the baby learned during the scene his former partner mesner is now dead a drug deal gone bad uh Let's see how you feel about that. I think that's not right. Yeah. 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 Did it? What actually, what really happened to him? I forget. When we last saw him, he was a junkie that Tenma and Anna both leaned on for intel. And I get the feeling that... Yeah, he comes off as a guy who tried to get more money out of Johan. I get the feeling that after he led... Tenma into the trap and not Anna, he was killed. Hmm. Either I way, could be wrong. Definitely killed by Johan. Oh yeah. Uh Mueller sunbathing again. We see the ghosts next door a second time, but this time we get a clearer look at the Fortner parents, white and staring him down. Reporter doesn't make it. Sad for him. I liked yep. him. He was a he was a fun character, but yeah, he does not reappear in the guilt. He's just like, oh, wrong place, wrong time. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> These parrots and that other guy is how he describes it. Very funny. Yes. There's a um a Roberto Mueller chat. One day, a man called Mueller and Mesner and let on that he knew about them being crooked cops, but he'd keep quiet if they did one job. Shoot the Fortners one day. So Mueller did it, taking out a reporter who was there, too. No hesitation. He made a lot of money overnight, retired from the force, and immediately ended up with a crime syndicate, who just conveniently let him walk away one day, no questions asked, when he wanted to go straight and marry his wife. Um, as the wife and son leave, Mueller nearly tears up as Fritz calls him dad. Um, he called him by name earlier, which was... Um, so this is like a big deal to Fritz. This is the first time he had explicitly said that he's not, he hasn't called me dad yet. And she said it'll come with time. Yeah. Um, 
Mueller walks upstairs, calling for Roberto, wondering wondering if the PI he hired has arrived, and that's when he finds the body with a bullet hole in it. Screaming for Roberto, Nino Fortner walks in from the balcony, and everyone goes, oh, shit. And then she says, <laughs> your man Roberto has, was the one who killed him, just like you killed my parents. Uh, it turns out that she is the ghost they have been seeing from the empty house next door. She watched Roberto kill this guy. And what she says next is, I don't give a shit what happens to you now, as she grabs the P.I.'s bag off the floor and bolts back out that door. <laughs> so, uh, because Mueller has been screaming for him, Roberto starts climbing the stairs. You know, Mr. Mueller, are you alright? Is everything okay? And he makes a snap decision on whether or not he trusts his bodyguard. When Roberto gets to the top of the stairs, Mueller is gone. He, you know, obviously runs for his car, and as he starts getting the key in there, Nina Fortner puts a gun to his head and tells him to drive. <laughs> so, they go out for a bit on the highway, and at a certain point, babbling and panicked uh he says something that sets nina off which is you know oh god i have a family what about it this is terrible how could all this happen to me and she tells him to pull this fucking car over right now and gets him out on a cliff and just starts marching him backwards against the sea gun drawn and he breaks he's babbling he's weeping he's just like i i have a wife and child now i'm doing right why is this happening to me and she's furious because hey dick how do you think i felt when you blew away my whole family with no warning he has a line where he's just like tears streaming down his face and it's not coming out of his nose where he says this is what it's like to be killed and this scene is really incredible. They really, really sell, like, Mueller's internality here. And, like, animation, top-notch here. Really great yep. scene. This is where... This and one other part are where a lot of this episode goes, because this is a conversational episode until people draw guns. Yeah. Like... The way this one scene is handled might be like what makes me say you should watch the anime. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wonderful because there's a lot of use of the animators are adding flourishes you can't see on a manga page to things like this. The whipping winds of being on a seaside cliff just coming up during this conversation or flailing with a gun in your hands while you're just gesturing to make a point or it's a lot of little details that are really hard to convey. Really hard for me to screenshot to show you because it would just look like a colored panel. But in motion, this comes alive. Yeah. The the between manga panel stuff here really is extremely additive. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're looking through the P.I.'s bag. He, he found out Roberto was involved in murdering Mesner. And at this point... Roberto calls the car phone. You know, I've got your wife and kids beside me, Mr. Mueller, and a lot of accidents do happen at home. Great delivery. Yeah. And he says all he wants is the P.I.'s bag. 
Knowing he's kind of between a rock and a hard place, Mueller asks to borrow Nina's gun. Nina's gun. Still cool. Um, mm-hmm. Back at the manor, the plan outside the gate is that he'll take the four-shot pistol and she'll cover him from the manor next door. And he walks in with the bag while she just sprints away. Um, the, his family meets him outside and mentions Roberto's team from the security company is here looking in on some incident. Roberto says, just a broken window, probably some kids from the neighborhood. That's when Mueller and you realize that there's still a body upstairs. Um, Roberto makes his terms clear. The detective's body is actually gone, and he just wants the bag and everyone to go on living peacefully. After he hands it over, uh, there's a good scene here where he says, nothing happened today here. It was a very peaceful day. Um, Yeah. Real chilling shit. Uh, Mueller hands over the bag, goes next door in search of Nina, and as he hunts the building, she's not there. And Roberto walks in behind him and says, don't worry, we're treating her very kindly. Mueller asks if she'll be left alive, and all Roberto says is, live peacefully. Uh, just saying, hey, let it go. You're free now, Jeannie. Yeah, he, he's... Uh, Roberto is an interesting antagonist, because he's not the baby where he's clearly slimy and scheming for power. We don't have a read on Roberto by the end of this arc. Well, we do, kind of, right? Like... He doesn't care about anything other than protecting Johan's identity. But he's entirely willing to let a loose end go for a greater goal. Well, because he doesn't know about he doesn't he doesn't really know who Johan is. Couldn't describe Johan. He has no information. It's kind of like how later we'll find out um, Ava was good to go until she said I saw his face. Mm-hmm. before then it was only the photos and now it's you must go because of forbidden knowledge but normally in a story like this Mueller would be the kind of loose end you wrap up Correct. he knows yeah. he seems very willing to let Mueller just walk away if he shuts his mouth I think that has to do with who Johan is because Johan's goal is to minimize his impact and stay hidden, right? Mm-hmm. And in other stories like this, that's not necessarily the case, right? In a lot of stories, you run into like gangs where they're trying to be the biggest, most well-known gang and feared among other gangs. So of course you're going to wrap up every loose end and it doesn't matter if people find out that person died because that's the point of it. But here, Johan explicitly wants to stay like low-key. This is fair. This is fair. I don't know. It's just a change of pace from what we've seen and expected so far. That's why this yeah. start Roberto's arc starts to really change things for me. Oh, not not saying it's unusual. Really just yeah. only pushing back on we don't we don't have a read on him by the end because I feel like I have that. Okay. That's that's a good point. But we close the episode in the basement of an abandoned building where Roberto, and uh, this this does turn around your statement, Roberto has definitely met Johan because he says, you have your brother's eyes to Nina. Well, you, Roberto has met him, definitely. Oh, yeah. And he leaves her with the rest of the security team and Roberto just drives off. 
they let slip that Johan is in Munich because they think that the four men are about to tie up this loose end with guns drawn. And one of the men gets shot. Uh, Mueller still has that four-shot pistol, uses his bullets wisely. Nina gets a gun during the whole thing. From so far away, given, like, the size of the gun. Uh, very far away. And also, like, the tension there is extremely good. Because it's not just that a guy gets shot. It's that Nina's, you see the the trigger getting pulled on Nina about to be executed when the guy gets shot down. Yes. Huge, enormous undersell of that. I suppose I do not have that shot because I'm watching, I'm half watching the anime and I'm reading the manga for these notes. So that one I did miss. Yeah. Um, you know, Mueller's, Mueller's taken out these guys and he goes to make contact with her, but both of them failed to check the room before doing this. And one of the men on floor takes aim. Nina draws. We cut outside the manor and we just hear a shot. The final shot of the episode, no pun intended, is Nina and Mueller driving back in his car. Mueller's just talking about, you know, wait, you know, tomorrow I'm going to go fishing with the boy if it's sunny. He's really happy about this. He just got a fishing rod. Uh, Nina is saying, hey, we're almost to your house. Don't worry about it. But through this chat, we pan over and they just slowly reveal he's been gut shot and he's bleeding horribly. The last thing we see before it zooms out of the car and focuses on the sunset is Mueller's face is still and we hear Nina say, I'm sure it will be sunny tomorrow. The incredible episode. This is, again, we're at the point where the one-offs are just tension incarnate this is a good solid noir story that just self-contains you I don't, don't think it is a self-contained right it's like an arc opener where it sort of cleans up uh, uh the leftovers of a previous arc and opens a new one but i think if you just showed someone this episode without context you'd get a pretty good miniature story you have Roberto introduced, setting himself up as a good character alongside Mueller. They're recounting his dirty past, how he got out, and slowly the noose tightens while giving you a sense of the greater world without dragging in every thread. Yeah. And speaking of nooses and threads, how about we talk about episode 22, Lunge's Trap? In Hamburg... Another elderly couple has been killed. This one is an odd case. There are no children to speak of, but the BKA is sending in a specialist nonetheless. A reporter for the local paper smells a scoop, and when the detective, who turns out to be Lunge, arrives, he asks for a statement. Is this the serial killer again? Lunge very carefully replies in a way that never says, yes, it's the same guy, but leads the guy to draw the conclusion that it's yes you know same mo seems close um in the subtitles he does just straight out say yes for the record gotcha yeah he's he's being cagey about it in uh both the dub and the localization of the manga yeah in the subtitles he says yes and then that shit-ass grin that he has is what tells you that 
he knows from the jump he's manipulating the reporter on purpose and is just lying to him. Oh yeah, the grin tells you in every version. I just like that most uh, most people went with he's trying not to lie directly as an officer. I think it I think it works because it sells the the degree to which he doesn't care about anything anymore. It adds to the way his character has developed, I think. I like the episode escalating from this if it doesn't say everything at the jump. That's me. Yeah, that I can see that. Either way, the reporter says... He, either way, Lungay says to the reporter, um, your paper is very well respected. Um, won't it be uh, picked up and run everywhere else? And the reporter's like, yeah. And then Lungay just has that big smile where he's got a plan cooking. And then the intro happens. Um, we get to a a wonderful scene of him reenacting the murder at the crime scene, trying to put the puzzle together. The husband got killed first because the wife's hearing had been going, so he could take his time there. The odd detail is that the husband was cornered at a wall, but died five feet away. I didn't actually put this together right away, but um, what happens is that he, the man was leaning on the wall, there's a bloody handprint on the wall, and there's a mirror on the wall, and Lungay sees himself in the mirror, uh, figuring out that the killer had seen, seen themselves and the victim, which is what stayed their hand. I did not put that together right away. Yeah. Um, and we cut to him passing Tenma's photo around the neighborhood, saying, you know, this isn't the suspect of the murder, just a person of interest. Treat them normally, but call me right away. Um, and, Go ahead. And in talking to one of the neighbors, he learns that the wife's hearing loss was not public knowledge. So... She had some method of picking up on her surroundings that let her fake it in public. This doesn't come to anything. I like that they're throwing red herrings at us in this. It's a good touch. And so he continues his investigations around town. He talks to their lone surviving relative, a nephew. He runs a company that, we will find out later, is in a bit of trouble. But Lungay, Lungay has cracked this. He basically says to this man, I know you did it, but you've got an alibi. But I know you did it. Just completely tearing him down from the jump. And then he walks out of the room Columbo style. See ya! During this, the journalist from the opening follows Lungay again. So I, I start looking into the nephew of the elderly couple, and then I find out you're a step ahead of me doing the same thing. This isn't the serial killer, is it? The instant he's pressed, Lungay goes, oh no, it's, it's a copycat. There's uh, there's someone else doing this. And the journalist is horrified. He's like, you, you just got me to lie in all the papers of Germany. I have to retract this story immediately. And that's when Lungay pins him to the wall slowly, just looms over him. He doesn't even do it. He doesn't like push him back. He just yeah. does it with like his presence. Incredible. He just walks the guy back. No arms up, no nothing. And he says, no, you won't. You're going to keep writing about this as if it's the same man. And he just leans over him and talks about the journalist's wonderful taste in women, despite having a wife and daughter. It, oh, and the end of it is... Uh, that I can forget about that if you just do this one... And then he pauses and then says... 
if you continue to do what I tell you. Because he's like, why would I let him off the hook? This is going to be useful to me. So, like, Lugan, mm-hmm. clearly going off the deep end in terms of, like, being a straight a cop on the straight and narrow here. Yeah. But before the commercial break, we see Tenma is starting to canvas the neighborhood as well. It's worked. And he shows up at the house of the lady we see Lunga give the card to, which, for the record, really appreciate it, because I thought about it, and I was like, at first it seems mildly convenient that he went to the only one, and then I was like, you know, I really appreciate that they only showed us doing this one time, and that Tenma went to that one person, because the effect is the same, but we get a lot more space for other moments to breathe by not having him, showing him doing it several times. Yeah, it allows us to get into the back half of this episode, which is basically the Terminator. Oh, incredible. So, the neighbor tips off Lunge, but before he can leave, the nephew of the murdered couple shows up, demanding an apology. Lunge just dismantles him completely, saying, Look, I know you did it, and how, and here's how you fucked this up. I know it was you, because when you saw yourself... And your uncle, who is basically your second father in the mirror, you hesitated. But I don't care that you did it. I have a target I'm here for. The cops think you're innocent. Have a nice life, fucko. And he just, really does say this. He oh, says, the cops here are owned. morons and yeah. walks out of the room. Oh, unbelievable. Just. Mwah. Yeah. Lungay this episode is this is some Hannibal shit. Oh no, how Italian I am came through on the microphone that time. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> uh, <sighs> we cut to the crime scene. Ten was there now. Reconstructed the murder in the same way. Came to the same conclusion as Lungay did, but says, says it out loud for idiots in the audience like myself. The killer hesitated because seeing his own face besides his uncle's made him emotional and he choked. And as he goes to leave, Lungay walks through the door. Um, what you could describe as a chase sequence occurs. Um, what happens is Tenma is like fleeing through the house, trying to find a way out because Lungay is blocking the only door. And he's just slowly walking like he's the fucking Terminator. And Tenma's trying to like rip open a window and climb out the window. Lungay is about to grab him. And then the Lungay just gets fucking stabbed in the kidney uh, from behind. And it's the nephew saying, you couldn't just leave it alone. And Lungay just fucking annihilates this nerd. He shoves him to the ground and then shoots him in his fucking knees. Incredible. Two shots, two kneecaps. Pop, pop. Ugh. The blood, the blood effect is so wild. It is gnarly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable shit. Incredible sequence. Um, and then oh, I'll go ahead. This. Yeah. Uh, so Tenma is trying to start his car. He's you know gotten out, and Lunge slams against the window, tapping with his gun, and then he starts sliding down it, leaving a trail of blood. So Tenma's like, ah, I can't, I can't leave a cop here to die that's going to look very bad so he gets him into the car unconscious puts him in a seatbelt, and tenma is driving with his left hand 
holding a gun half cocked at him in his right. And like, this is the right move because it, it, you could have theoretically forgotten because it's, we've been doing this for a while and we're about a third of the way done. But at this point, only Lunge thinks Tenma is guilty. So letting Lunge die suddenly creates a ton of enemies for Tenma and a ton of problems he didn't have already. Yeah. And there's this right. He's like, all right, I've got to just I'm going to drop him at a hospital. And this is when Lunge wakes up, grabs the gun and slams himself into Tenma and the car starts weaving all over the road. They, you know, there's a struggle and Lunge just slaps cuffs on the guy and they drive into a barn. So. There's a, you know, Lunge blacks out again because he's just slammed into things in a car. And Tenma has stripped him, gotten his jacket off, gotten his gun away from him. All he says is, I can save you. There's definitely supplies. You've, you've only lost, you're only losing blood. Nothing, nothing more than muscles was hit. But shout to how you still sucks at murder. <laughs> I know, he, he, Fucking you think scrub. earlier, oh, he got him in the kidney. It's like, no, he, he actually got him in just the fat. It's pretty much the most safety killer you could do. <laughs> and Tenma is just like, look, man, give me the keys to your cuffs and I can fix you up and you're good. <laughs> Lunge proceeds to draw a gun from an ankle holster and start pointing it at Tenma, and he looks bad. The incredible looks... smirk when he pulls before he reveals, "Oh, my second gun is so fucking good." It's very funny, actually. And Luke looks like a vampire here. His yeah, my eyes man looks are like sunken. Shit. He has been bleeding out for a bit, and he's just trying to run on adrenaline with "Just confess, Doctor Tenma." He looks because like he, early, what he looks like is the sunken eyes combined with the animation. He looks like early era Trent Reznor. Ooh, yeah, I could see that. But with modern Trent Reznor's hairline, that's true. <laughs> it's so, so weird that he's swole now. It is, and yet he's he's arguably more powerful for it. It's still wild, <laughs> <laughs> literally and figuratively. I know, right? He's got a gun on Tenma, and he lays out, Look, Dr. Tenma, I know that you are a very wonderful man, but Johan, your second personality, is this terrible monster, and we have to stop him. Just confess to what oh, Johan has done. Oh, man. And Tenma would just have to say, No, it's Johan that has two personalities, and... But he doesn't, because irony. And also... Would this guy take it in the moment? Hey, no, your your theory's right, but it's Johan who's got the split it, personality, not it me. It could, right? Because of the person that Lunge is, where he stores all information for later, at some point, something else will come up that would lend a credence to this, and Tenma would be in the clear. It wouldn't make Lunge go away right now, but it would make him go away earlier in the future. Let's let's just say uh we'll see. And uh, the, I was saying, the scene it creates yeah. the possibility for you to get away. 
That's fair. I also don't think Tenma is really concerned with that right now, because all he says is, let me out of these cuffs so I can save your life. Fucking nerd. Yeah, and that's all he says, with the exception of the part where Lunge throws out that, no, I get it. When you are Dr. Tenma, you are a good man. You save your patients. You are an excellent surgeon. When you are Johan, you are the emotionless, terrible killing machine. And we just, you know, we don't have any problems with Dr. Tenma, but Johan has to be stopped. And this whole thing just gets under Tenma's skin. He's like, you, you want to talk about emotions? You want to talk about, you know, how I'm always in control? No. Every time I'm in the operating room, I am praying. I am panicking. I am trying to keep myself under control so I do not make a mistake that will end a life on every single patient I have ever had. And during this is when the lack of blood gets to Lunge and he just drops the gun and drops. But we see that through this, it lets Tenma get close enough that he can pick his pockets, get the key, and we pick up in the hospital, where the other detectives are just like, yeah, um, it looks like Tenma definitely saved you, and the nephew confessed because we found him shot repeatedly in the house. Good work, Lunge, you did it. And the nurse is like, Oh, yeah, I love this guy. He's so great when they're ta trying to apologize for him being so intense. It's like, what? Oh, yeah, he says chasing a criminal like Tenma is the most fun he can ever have. He's trying to speedrun his rehab to get back out on the streets. <laughs> it was just, like, de-boosting through the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, now I'm imagining the incredibly tall and lanky Lunge wave-dashing through halls. So the hospital is the best possible place you could de-boost. <laughs> slamming into someone's, uh, slamming into someone's gurney to just take some iframes and clip through look, three doctors. Look, I stub my toe on the metal railing in the stairwell. That way I can use my iframes to throw myself down the stairs and skip the long stepping down animation. This is how Castlevania works. Yeah, basically. <laughs> oh, but that takes us into episode 23, Ava's Confession, where we begin in the opening of Stone Ocean. But this is not a JoJo in lockup. It is a different woman in prison. With the guards shaking her awake, Ava Heinemann is not going to give up her pride, slapping this woman away even on a prison cot. It, incredible. The the next morning, just Ava just proceeds to get absolutely owned. And this episode is set up just to make me specifically feel bad for the person I am, because I like to watch people I dislike get owned. And they really take it so far that you feel bad for having enjoyed it at all. Um, it starts off, one of her bags was stolen while she was passed out in an alley, which is where she got picked up and put in the drunk tank. She goes back to the hotel, and uh, her hotel room was broken into, and all of her things were ransacked. And since she doesn't have enough money uh, for both paying to be there 
and to get the lock changed because she lost her key in the bag, she gets evicted from the hotel room. And then she starts hitting up exes trying to say, hey, I'll fuck you for some money. And they're just like, why would I pay for what I got for free a lot of times? Peace out, lady. Maybe if you Direct quote. Maybe if you stand outside, someone will buy you a drink. Um, so she leaves and then grabs a j- bottle of alcohol from a hobo just right out of his fucking mouth as he's drinking it, chugs it, chucks it on the ground, and starts retracing her steps and ends up despondent in a park. And then the man she was drinking with last night arrives with her bag on his shoulder. It is... Oh, it's Roberto. We have a problem. Oh boy, Roberto. We learn as he treats her to a nice lunch that all she had in that bag was a photo album. And he is two steps ahead of her on the knowledge train. Oh yeah, you were talking about your uh, father. It's so sad. I don't think you're over him. Hey, they're flipping through the photo album while they eat. Oh, here's your ex. You uh, You mentioned him. Oh my god, I really didn't know that you have me at such a disadvantage. What was I talking about last night? And here's a bunch of photos that are ripped out of the album. Hmm, what was that? I must have just found it useless. Yeah, what she says of the the subtitles say, I didn't want them anymore. Ooh, that's a better line. Yeah. So they, they keep going out. They keep... They change from this restaurant to a nightclub they're drinking and roberto's talking about how his security company collapsed after his last client died on his watch (laughs) the darkest joke in this whole set of episodes yeah and then this is where uh laughing at ava just takes a real hard turn real fast what happens is they get back to the hotel room and Roberto just fucking slaps her across the room, picks her up by her hair and says, where are the missing photos? He knows that she has picture of both Tenma and Johan and they're not in her album. They're torn out at some point. And we remember her tearing them out back when she still lived at the old mansion to give to, to, um, to hide, from, hide them from Lunge before she went to try to pin Tenma. Um, yep. This is when she decides to try to make herself seem important, saying, I've seen Johan. And then we get like a fucking 10 minute flashback sequence way too long. Yeah, this was one chapter of manga, but it is weirdly paced here. Yeah. Um, it's the night of Junker's murder. Ava was out at a restaurant as she was trying to get into Tenma's life by dating Dr. Becker. And then Dr. Becker was like, don't buy the clock, you ass. It's um, because he was being held up from his own hot date. Um, but what happened <laughs> when Tenma got to the restaurant and it was empty? It's because Ava uh, said, oh, oh, what she says to that girl is unbelievable. I believe yeah. it was, I have a mole on my right thigh and he always, and Tenma always kisses it. And it's just like, yeah. It is this casual cruelty that she just flings out there to try and get rid of this girl and get Tenma for herself and again. She's like, but... the, the, the gist of the flashback is that she is following him around all the time, basically just trying to keep him isolated so she can get back into his life. Yeah. it's Because re- I don't think she's like really 
dating Becker so much as she's pumping Becker for information and trying to lead him on because like she would never stoop to dating Becker. She's just trying to lead him on, making Becker think she might. No, she's she wants this double date so she can be in the room with Tenma and oh, he's stuck. Yeah. That's why. It's <clears throat> incredible. But Ava yeah. was there at the parking garage, outside the parking garage. The only reason she didn't go up in and get killed by Johan is her high heels broke. Um and then she sees him coming down the stairs. Um the next morning, Roberto wakes up first has a cigarette, sits in a chair next to Ava across the hall room and says, hmm, so she saw the boss, huh? And then just it'll clicks the gun. Guess she's gotta die. And then the credits roll. It's wild how this escalated, but that he also is so much of a professional that he's like, I'm gonna hear this story. I want to get everything first. Don't want to make a rash decision. Have have some sex, sleep on it, see how it goes. Yeah. And then we're into episode 24 of Men and Dining, which might, is... Um, might be my favorite episode so far. I can see that. This, again, this is basically, especially if you add in the last episode, 23, a, a tense noir film, start to finish. But, like, so, a good talky one. Because a lot of noir, like the neo-noir stuff, can lean a little action-y. This is like really classic, mostly talking shit. Yeah, no, this is um, this is some third man shit. Yeah. It's especially with all the shifting alliances at every phase. So we open with the same scene that closed the last one. Guess I'll have to kill her. And Ava starts laughing and just goes full McAfee. If you kill me, these pictures go to a BKA detective. You tell me where Tenma is, though, and I'll trade. And Roberto just stands there a second, and he starts cackling. You're trembling so hard, you can barely stand. And when she's called on this, she does just collapse to the floor, letting the sheet around her drop a little. But he goes, all right, sure, and no harm, no foul. I will tell you where Tenma is. At a remote mansion in southern Germany, the number two in a crime family pissed off his boss, who ordered a hit. This hit went so bad the guy lived and found a way to contact Tenma, who patched him up and is leading the rehab at this manor in the woods. And so we cut to Dieter following a trail of ants in the woods because he's still eight. Feeling attacked because I would still be curious about what's up with this. Uh, it does come into play later that as the only person not involved in getting money or caring for someone, Dieter has just been wandering the woods around this manor nonstop while he's coped up here. Also, I forgot that Heckle, Heckle is an expert chef. So the crime boss talks about the operation that he was part of before everything went south and people tried to murder each other, which is that there was a massive money laundering scheme that grew and had to have more people to keep track of it. And then the lead man disappeared, his boss, and suddenly everything collapsed into chaos. Oh, 
gotta say in the subtitles everyone uses the phrase the top man which make, made me laugh because i kept thinking about how they have their top men on it yeah <laughs> uh i think mine alternated between the boss and the number one Ugh, the subtitles are so good shout outs to the top man ah <laughs> uh, if only they had eaten and talked around a table like this he says wishing mob life were more scorsese and less takeshi <laughs> but just to add insult to injury he comes out and says oh and that number one guy yeah he would have been 15 years old when he started this scheme years ago according to the rumor so ted was immediately like oh Motherfuck, I'm drawn back into Johan shit while I try to make money. This is gonna go south. Yeah, and then, surprise, surprise, Dieter is sent down the hill to collect the bodyguards to say, hey, it's dinner time. Uh, because the guy decided that he wants to live a life where he doesn't need bodyguards, but his bodyguard is also his only friend now. So, hey, Dieter, will you go tell him that he's fired, but also come up here and be my friend? Um, and then Roberto just shows up and caps Helmut and uh, gives Eva the gun. Eva's there too now. Uh, Dieter doesn't find Helmut. Uh, thank goodness for him. But he does find Eva carrying a gun, marching up the hill. Um, she says to Dieter, go go back. Tell Tema to run. And when Dieter does, that's when somebody a shot hits Eva in the leg. Um, just out of nowhere. Very shocking. Mm-hmm. Ava tries to cover the kid so he can get away, but he spent too much time with Tenma, and he drags her out of the clearing into cover, trapping himself with her. Um, no matter how much she tries to get him to run and warn Tenma, Dieter won't leave her. However, he knows the hill well, and knows this is the only path that leads up to the mansion, but every other way leads to a cliff. So as long as she's here and armed, Roberto can't get up. Sadly, Tenma might follow the gunshots and come down. And Ava says, there's no way he'd come for me. And fucking absolutely heartbreaking shit right there. Feel so bad for her, even though she has been so awful. They have done such a good job humanizing her in the last two episodes. It's incredible. And um, it the says a lot that someone who was so close to him for so long and should have known that a dude who would torch his own career over a child. She's like, but I'm beneath his notice. She didn't. She didn't really. That's it. Really sells. She doesn't really know him. She just knew what his job was and what he got paid. Yeah. And that's what makes it so sad for her. Um. In the end, Tenma does come. The animation, incredible here. Because it basically, there's a lot of blurring in and out. And like as the light fades down and then she finally sees Tenma in focus right before the camera is like, oh, Ava died now. It's, yeah, it's a we, lot. We've cut to her perspective through part of this and suddenly we're seeing Tenma loom over her. and it It's really good. Um, mm -hmm. but he has shown up and, um, then we cut to Ava in a wheelchair, her leg bandaged with the mob boss who's no longer in the wheelchair, but now has a cane as he sets up the dinner table for dinner again in the exact same way. 
and Tenma has left Ava to heal in his care. It turns out Roberto knew the manor was fortified and guarded. His plan was just to use Ava to get in and kill Tenma, thinking they'd let a weird woman in, whereas he'd be fought the whole way. When she turned on him, he shot her and fled. The two of them eat lunch outside together, and we fade to black. Incredible, incredible quote from the mob boss, by the way, where he starts off saying exactly what Dieter said, where he says, this is duck manganese, but then he says... Instead of saying it's only served in this one restaurant, he says, I've only had it the one time, so I don't think it'll be very good. (laughs) It is a very good touch. And yeah, that is where we close this arc, because next time we're gonna see some shit. How'd you like this? Oh, great, great. Every, Every batch of episodes we like, I'm like, wow, incredible. Best batch of episodes. And monster still unqualified absolute like all-time band one of the best if if matt ever returns to the show how much ketchup and how many thoughts and how many times do you think we're going to hear the word never not tense it's gonna take so long he's such a baby it takes him multiple days to watch four of these good luck buddy i throw these together in about three hours the night before (laughs) yeah yeah, that's about, how long, that's about how long I spend watching all of the anime for all of our podcasts, unless I'm stuck with G Gundam notes that day, where we rotate through the three of us. Ah, yes. Let me tell you, G Gundam not does not require a lot of careful preparation. Oh, I would imagine. Um, I know that show, and I also know that it is the kind of thing that trying to write about it seriously just makes you sound like a crazy person. It's incredible. Oh, oh. We're all so excited whenever the Nether Gundam shows up, and then so sad whenever it gets owned immediately. And then the windmill stands up behind him. Wait, it's a Gundam! He's just hanging out with his family! Yeah. Oh, incredible. The Nether Gundam is, and I can now make this comparison having seen Dragon Ball, the TN of Gundam. Yeah, look. Okay. Unlike the Nether Gundam, TN used to be cool. I don't know. I think the Nether Gundam starts out cool because it's like, oh my god, it's camouflage. And then it's just like, oh, you're just wearing a funny costume every time. I feel I feel bad for my child because my child's favorite characters are Piccolo and Krillin. You know, I just saw um, resurrection f last night other than his new choice of job uh krillin doing pretty good for himself in that piccolo piccolo is the best i nothing has been funnier to me than the way they animate the time piccolo just shoots gohan with eye lasers is so fucking funny so you're saying you haven't seen f no i will not spoil it but oh my god there's a scene in it that had me actually cackling I still, I still have not, I have not watched in a while. I need to continue. Uh, okay. I, I think basically what, where I'm at is that Piccolo and Goku just fused. I haven't seen that. What? Yeah. Not um, Piccolo. Oh, 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 sorry. Sorry. Goku and Vegeta fused. Okay. I was going to say, what does that look like? Yeah, no, I hadn't seen. Okay. Now I know where you are. Man, that episode with Mr. Satan and Boo just having, like, a slice-of-life anime might have been my favorite episode of that show. Incredible shit. I'm gonna be honest, I agree with you. Ugh. 
I would watch a whole uh, anime of that. It's up there with Piccolo and Goku trying to get a driver's license. <laughs> so have have you seen Battle of Gods? No. Good news, the first half of it is basically what you want. Hell yeah. I for- oh no, I just remembered that Boo turns into a person and his name is Oob. What? Yeah, at the end, that guy's name is Oob. Oh, is this is this that peaceful world thing? We skipped over that to go to Super. Yeah. Okay, well, I learned something new. Um, Boo is a guy huh. whose name is Oob, U-U-B. Well, good news. Boo is also just there hanging out. Yeah. That kind of owns. Just Fat Boo is just now part of the Wait, cast. No, he gets renamed. It's not that he turns into a guy. It's that he gets renamed and he's now Oob instead of Boo. It's fucking stupid. No, they're just calling him Boo. He's the... he's hanging out at the party. I'm going to have to look this up now. I remember there being a dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the human reincarnation of Kid Boo. The kid with the mohawk. That's Oob. I have not seen that character at all. So maybe they just cut him out of the movies and going forward. I'm not sure if I'm going to watch Super. My child wants to watch regular Dragon Ball. Could you know, that's not a be bad the one. future of the series? No, Crunchyroll. Shut the fuck up. Why would it not be Goku? I know, right? Yeah, no, Um, he he's not in those movies, but Fat Boo is. He's still fun. I love him. Yes. <sighs> the, f- the first half of Battle of Gods is just Bulma's birthday party. It's great. I must have found a pic- good picture of Fat Boo and make it my Discord avatar. Nice. Anyway, we'll be back in two weeks with episodes 25 through 27, and we will ask about <laughs> the mystery of Thursday's Child. <laughs> Sorry, Peace out, fuckers. Whatever. Uh. There you go. All That's right. what I was laughing at. Incredible shit. Woo! <laughs> oh, no! Oh, no. Well, this has to be our... This has to be our episode art now, thanks. Saving image.